the Deeper Dive podcast produced locally in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in the Plate of Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, once again joined and joined only by Father Larry Swink. Hey, Bill. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness, uh, kind of we're going to go into what forgiveness is, what it isn't, Scripture says about forgiveness, you know, the holidays are coming up, we hear grumblings about, you know, fam- long-held grudges in the family and so-and-so not talking to somebody, so I'll be a good time to uh, talk about it, Father Larry. Sure. Thanks, Bill. And uh, yeah, I miss Father Jack and Father Scott, but it's... Uh, oh, they miss you too. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for having me, and um, you know, I... I for those that are listening and we were kind of looking at, uh, I had to come down here for a wedding rehearsal at the plate and figured I could help out and do a, help out with the podcast here today. And I was asking Bill, you know, what should we talk about? And he brought up forgiveness and I'm like, huh, it's Christmas. But then I think, um, it, it make it, it actually is a decent, it's a good, good uh, topic to bring up because, um, I'm finding as a priest, even, uh, we're, I'm doing a lot of healing ministry in my new parish and, um, you know, we've given podcasts podcast about the unbound and i'm finding that a lot of people's uh spiritual hang-ups have to deal with forgiveness and um a lot of people um actually are not looking forward to christmas because of family problems and people are coming over that they're hurt about that that maybe hurt them in the past and i I guess it's good to kind of look at you know maybe how christmas could be a time of maybe seeking and also receive uh, forgiving people so there's more peace in your heart as we come to the, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, is we're going to celebrate him in like eight days. So I guess we'll talk about, I, I've given this talk uh, uh, to a, at the college where I'm at, and actually I was surprised the reaction I got from the kids. I was like, because I, I, I gave this, we did a little holy hour before Mass, and we just did like a recollection, and it really hit the kids. And I was, it just struck me that even a lot of young people have a lot of unforgiveness in their heart. So first, let's talk about the cost of unforgiveness, the cause and the cure. And I want to start with uh, Scripture. And, and Always Jesus, a good place. Yeah, with the Bible. And, um, you know, our, our Lord uh, tells us in, in Mark 11, 24 to 25, he says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And, um, and then he also talks about, like, in terms of the Mass, and uh, in, in the gospel, in, in uh, Matthew 23 to 24, he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to him and then come and offer your gift. You know, and... Um, no qualifiers in there, by the way. No, it isn't. And uh, so I guess, I guess, so I, so I guess, Bill, what would be some leading questions just to kind of open this up? Well, first of all, I was going to say, even even with the Lord's Prayer, you know, we... we uh, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, you know, from Matthew's. And then, and then it almost doubles down again later on in Matthew, um, almost like just to make sure we get that point that if, for if you give, forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father also will forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I think, um, first of all, I think a lot of people maybe it's such a simple word, but what is forgiveness? Okay. Well, let's let's talk about maybe uh, to start this off is let's talk about some of the symptoms of unforgiveness or maybe what it, all right, maybe a better way of looking at it is what does it kind of look at, look like if maybe if you haven't really forgiven someone um, and, uh, and it doesn't necessarily, here's the thing. There's a couple of uh, uh, 
things that need to be sort of um, spelled out and, and clarified. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget what happened. That's one. Of, I mean, and I, I think we've all heard that that homily, which is theologically incorrect. That you hear, you know, people say, "I need to forgive and forget." And the truth of the matter is, we don't forget things that have happened to us. I mean, what it means is that we can be in the room with someone that's really seriously hurt us, and we actually uh, wish well upon them. And uh, I, I found I found a, a, a list of, of of things that where you know what does it look like and um, and there's some myths about forgiveness and we can look into them and um, the, the first myth about forgiveness is a lot of people think that forgiving someone means that what has happened is justified and forgotten okay and um, now um, there many and also they they uh, they kind of think that. Um, uh, that it's just you can actually things could be exactly the way they were, and that's not true. There might have to be a, a separation. There might have to be like that person not allowed to your house anymore. I mean, there might have to be some healthy boundaries. That it's not what forgiveness means because sometimes I mean, if the person's going to continually hurt you, it just simply means this: is I wish well upon you, but it doesn't mean that the thing that uh, life has to be exactly like it used to be. No, if somebody's come in your house uh, right. three times and stolen from you. Right. It doesn't mean they have to be invited back the fourth time. Exactly. That's not part of it. Yeah. It means you don't hold on to the, the resentment and the anger towards them. You don't wish harm upon them. Right. Now, I think one of the, one of the interesting things um, that I find is uh, that they've done a study on, on adults and many, many behavioral problems come with some form of unforgiveness uh, when it comes to relational, even sexual addictions, uh, alcohol addictions, you know, underneath the addiction and, and the and the sort of manifesting sins, underneath that many times, if not most, in some of the articles I've been reading and studying and even from my personal pastoral experience, come from um, sort of anger. And, and there, there's a wound. Yeah, there. it's a wound yeah. that's being medicated. And I think, too, sometimes, you know, like, you know, we're in the, the time of Advent and forgiveness and a time of renewal. And, you know, some one of the, one of the questions I think that uh, kind of, pushes people back in a good way is why do you do this and a lot of people can't answer that and i i think too is sometimes it's good for people if there's you know this kind of chronic sin is like is there someone or something that happened to me that i've never really gotten over or there's a wound that needs to be healed and um um i, I there is uh it says here in the in the uh, i guess what they call the uh for alcoholics anonymous it says resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stems all forms of spiritual disease. And there, there is the reason that our Lord Jesus Christ really pushes the envelope on forgiveness because he's the Lord, he's our maker. And his whole thing is to restore things, to make it new again. And even the word salvation comes from the Greek word soteriology, means to be healed. And, and I think too, a lot of people can spend their whole life with bitterness and unforgiveness and they, and they blame everything on other people, but then they don't realize that there's some work that God can do in my heart whereby I can actually enjoy life better. And I don't have to be in captivity with my anger and resentment. And, and I think too, is the word resentment in the original, uh, from French, it comes in this French word resentir, which means to refeel or to feel something over and over again. So I think one thing that it, it, I think if we've forgiven someone, we're not playing it back in our brain all the time. Like, you know, in other words, it's just this this bad tape, this cassette that just goes off in our head. 
And um, so that's the first thing. And uh, so the first thing, another thing is, um, another point to be made here is um, holding on to anger and bitter. I think sometimes is that, um, I think the reason that people hold on to bitterness is it, it gives them a sense of power. Right, you've got something over. You got something, there. yeah, exactly. You've got something over someone, yep. and um, and I, I've seen it even with priest friends uh, that have kind of um, kind of messed up their ministry, and they, it's like they got hurt or this or that. And I mean, it's look, it's, life's too short to sort of hold on to resentment and bitterness about something that's happened. I, you can see this in marriages. You know, marriages like that really could maybe never be exactly the same, but they can be a lot more loving if the person who got violated just forgave the person and let go of the bitterness that they hold in their heart. But I think it's, it's almost like, I think the, uh, what, what one, one thing is, is that when you're, when you're forgiving someone, you actually don't feel the pain anymore. I, I think that's, I think that's a, it's a great place to look at this is, I mean, if, if you're in a room with someone and you start to physically react terribly to that person, then I would say you're still, you haven't really been healed. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, we all probably, especially when you get to your mid forties, is like, you know, there's, there's, there's pains and stuff like this. And then, you know, you go to the physical therapy and stuff like that. And you ask them, you know, Hey, um, you know, in the, it, there's a, there's sort of a justification. Like you don't really want to be there in the office in the medical office. And they say, does it still hurt? And like, yeah, then they're saying you're not healed. You got to st- keep doing the exercises. Three more weeks of physical therapy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then there comes a point where it doesn't hurt anymore. Right. And I think that's another sign of, uh, that we have forgiven someone is the the thought of the person doesn't bring pain and suffering. I think so. Is this is this so? I, I think a lot of people hang on to this as well. I don't have to forgive the person because that person is not sorry. You know the um, the the un the unrepented. Uh, you know they never they never apologized to me for what they've done, so I don't have to forgive this person. Yeah, I mean, there. Well, there's. I guess it's it's very. Let's put it this way: it's very difficult to forgive someone who never asked for their for the forgiveness. And uh, and I, I I and I'm think uh, probably every person's had an experience where someone's hurt them and never and oh just felt ju- justified in what they did. Uh, I mean, especially in, in things that are very serious, like you know, uh, people that have been uh, hurt with sexual abuse or um, infidelity or you know just some kind of or. Um, a, ver- a very serious verbal abuse. Uh, sometimes, you know, you could be dealing with a narcissist yeah. that is unable to realize what they did. So what is, what does true forgiveness look like? Okay. Um, so I guess one is, one is this is, is that, um, um, well, first and when off, I say true forgiveness, I guess I mean more than the lip service, you know, the, the obligatory lip service that, that, what does it look actually, like? Okay. It actually frees you. Yeah. Well, let me, let me go through maybe some, some, yeah. some, some parts of this. And, um, well, first off, I think we have to realize it's a grace that this is something we, people, they don't, they don't really realize is you actually have to pray for the grace to forgive this person. It's not something that our human will can do on its own, especially if we're talking about something that's serious. Um, and, uh, you know, this is where we get the, the famous uh, saying by uh, Alexander Pope from the 18th century, to err is human, to forgive is divine. So I think, first off, we have to realize that it's, it is possible and only possible because Jesus died and rose from the dead. So that's the first thing. It's not something like, look in the mirror and let's try this again and like, all right, I'm going to forgive this person. It's a, it's a healing that God gives a person 
to let go of the anger. All right. So I think that's step number one. Step number two is, um, I think if, if you've forgiven, are you still hurting? And I think, you know, God's probably working, but he still has work to do if you're still hurting. And I think going back to my point, that true forgiveness is you're not hurting anymore. The person, the person that hurt you, it doesn't drag you down anymore. You're not avoiding phone calls from them. You're right. not trying not to go where they You are. actually could be in the presence of right. them and civil. Exactly. Uh, and the other thing is, um, I found this one article and says, can I picture myself embracing the other person? <laughs> and it was, it was talking about the prodigal son. When the father, the father, you know, represents God, you know, embraces the, the prodigal son and just completely forgives him. And, you know, I think we, we, we kind of forget that God, you know, when we come and ask for forgiveness to God, he always forgives us if we truly are sorry. And that is one of the mysteries of our faith is that Jesus Christ over and over again, um, you know, allows us to be healed from his grace and mercy. But then he has this caveat, but I want you to be like that with others. You know, tall, and tall order sometimes it is. Um, but I, I think too, is like, could, could you see yourself? Um, and I've, I've heard stories where uh, someone was sharing a story about uh, they were hurt really seriously from someone and they, they hadn't seen him in years and um, they had dinner and they just went up and just hugged the person. It was like, I'm like, why? I, I had to, like, I, I just had to let go of this anger. I just, I just gave them what they didn't deserve, which is mercy. And I think too, it's one of the misconceptions of forgiveness is that is, uh, well, they, they didn't ask where they didn't deserve it. Well, they don't deserve it. Like a person really doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And, and I think that's why we call it a spiritual, it's a work of mercy is they, a person doesn't, for, doesn't deserve it sometimes because they didn't ask correctly, uh, or well enough, or maybe it was just more, they didn't want the silent treatment from you or they wanted to get something, you know, like there, there people are, people can be pretty messed up and there's so many layers to that person's woundedness that you're forgiving. They might, they might not even be at a place that they realize how bad they've hurt you. And I think the flip side is, is when you forgive someone, it's really freeing you from a lot of heartache. And because there's a cost, I believe, that comes from unforgiveness. And I mean, even health problems. And certainly, I mean, certainly it's a stumbling block to your own spirituality. It can be. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, not forgiving someone. Right. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that when you forgive when there's a forgiving heart and someone's like let go of some serious anger, they're able to engage in healthy relationships with their families, a better mental health. Um, there's fewer symptoms of depression. You know, it's really interesting that the spiritual, uh, you know, a lot of times we talk about um, seasonal depression, which actually I think is a real thing for some people. They just crash and burn around Christmas. And, you know, I always see it in my parish. I, and I've said one time, um, you know, I was talking about joy. I'm like, you need to get out of your mood. And this woman was just so upset with me. She's like, I can't, you know, and, and, and I was like, okay, okay. I mean, I didn't want to push the envelope, but it's something she struggles with every single Thanksgiving and every single Christmas, you know? Uh, no, I, I, I worked with someone in the past who, who, who's, who's experience, own personal experience w- with her own family during the quote unquote holidays actually soured her on the entire season. I mean, it scarred her. I mean, even like it, you know, for, for work luncheons, everyone's going out to, for a Christmas lunch or holiday lunch or whatever, she would not participate. She said it just brought back memories, feelings, 
you know, of years of just the resentment came back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a, so yeah, it's a real thing and it, and it can be, it can have a huge effect on you. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, going back to the, 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 the spiritual definition of, of depression is anger turned inward where someone is just holding on to this sort of bitterness and resentment and it's just eating them up and it just makes them depressed. And, uh, you know, now, I mean, granted, it's like, I mean, what is it like, you know, sometimes you find these, these, uh, oh, they're, you know, uh, um, like a father and mother where their kids won't talk to them. And that's gotta be super painful. You know, like, I don't want to talk, I mean, and, and, and maybe it's just because like, maybe it's something with the faith, like the parents w- w- were not condoning their sinful behavior. And, and so it's kind of like, um, why I'm not going to come to Christmas this year. And I, I can imagine, but I think no, you the, start to weaponize it. I mean, yeah, they, it becomes a weapon. Right. Yeah. And so this anger and then, but I mean, look, if someone's going to be like that, it's like my whole, the, the mantra I tell people, don't let other people's sin make you sin. Like, don't let someone else's like sort of resentment towards you or their, their, their sin or their holding on to some kind of evil make you sin. And I think this is where we as Christians can kind of take the, the higher ground is just to like, look, I mean, um, am I going to be a man or a woman of peace in this situation where someone's just trying to make things difficult? And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to maybe dig deep and ask the Lord for the grace of being treated poorly by people. When, when is it, um, from, from, a, from a spiritual standpoint, we all know there's secular counseling out there, but when, when is it time to maybe talk to somebody? I mean, if you, if you're, you know, what are some of the signs you would say that if you're, you know, that you're, that you need to speak to, to someone about it? Cause it's, you're just not you know, able to let this go or something. Well, I think, I think the problem bill is that people wait way too long with, it, with a lot of things. It, but yeah. yeah well, it's almost like, I yeah. mean, you know, you hear this story. I mean, people should get <laughs> joints replaced a lot easier, sooner than they did or, or anything. People put off physical things forever. People put off going to the dentist forever. People put off spiritual healing more than anything. Sure. And I think it's, but I, I think the problem is, is they don't, people don't. And it's funny because in most cases it's free. Right. <laughs> it's just a weird thing to me. I right. mean, it's, you know, you, there are bigger things that people, you know, bigger fears they have, you know, well, I've got to go talk to a priest or just like confession or something else. But the main, in some respects, we put all this off, but it's free. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it would, it would tie in a lot of our, you know, look at, look at what they say in like the physical world. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't, it's kind of a stupid analogy, but like, you know, uh, I get my hip replaced, you know, a couple three years ago and it's like, the doctors would say, you'll know when it's time. And basically it was when it really started messing with my, my day-to-day um, stuff. Like I couldn't function. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't, I mean, I was just dreading being in the pulp because it would start hurting. And it was like, all right, it's time. Or I remember the day, remember the day we're running around, around uh, I'll tell you the breaking point for me is remember me and you, and you beat me to the, the office and yeah. you're like, you turn me like, wow. You really have it bad. And that was, I was, I remember in my head, I'm like, it's time. Yep. I've got to get this thing flipped. And I think, I think there's with, for, with like, if, if you're like, can't pray, you don't want to go to mass, you are, uh, just find yourself sad, then or get, angry or angry, just it's, it's chronic, then you got to get it taken care of. And I think you just have to see a priest. Yeah, and and just, it's, it's certainly most of the time, if, if it's gotten a bit, it rolls over to other aspects of your life. 
I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's affecting. It starts impacting. Yeah. It just really starts, for lack of a better word, it impacts the quality of your spiritual life. Yeah. You know, I mean. We it, had a, uh, the scale, you know, on a scale of one to 10. Right. <laughs> How much pain are you in? <laughs> How much spiritual pain? Yeah, yeah right. I'm in at 10. Right. You know, one be, you know, yeah, if it's gotten to the point where you're just really, you can't sleep, um, you're, you can't, you're, you just, you're tearing up every time you go to mass, um, you know, or avoiding prayer. Um, that's a sign of the evil one where they're just like, I'm not gonna, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to pray about this anymore. I've, I'm losing hope. Um, uh, I'm, I, I just, things that used to make, give me joy, don't give me joy anymore. You know, I just, I'm not looking forward to, you know, uh, Christmas. Um, I just want this over. I think there's something that needs to happen here. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just, I just think that, yeah, when it, when it starts to impact your, your day-to-day spiritual life and, and even your, even just like your day-to-day activities, you just don't want to be around people, you know, and, and I've seen it to really good people. I mean, really good people, um, just find themselves kind of climbing in their caves and just sort of, you know, tuning out or they start drinking, you know, and this in no way, this in no way, you know, minimizes the, the hurt that you may have felt right. or, or anything else. However, you're all, all of that aside, you know, it's still on you. Yeah, it is. And it, it's, but it's also like, let, let the Lord in there. You know, the word Jesus means God saves. And, and, and he, I think like, I don't, I don't know if people really understand, like we really need a savior. Um, there was a book that just came out from the Augustine Institute about salvation and I saw I was I was uh, one of the priests out in St. Mary's. I had to take his his uh, his kids' mass. It was funny because it was the genealogy, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know, of all masses, I get the genealogy for the the school mass, you know. And you had these little first graders. All right, kids, we're going to talk about the genealogy of Christ, you know. But at the in the back of the church, there's an interesting book. I wanted to borrow, it, but I didn't take because it, it wasn't mine. But it it was it was on salvation, and I thought it was really interesting. And I just I was flipping through it before mass, and it was talking about the fact that like. Do you realize as a Catholic that you don't stand a chance without Jesus Christ and his grace? Like we need, we need serious help. And, and I think across the board, across the board, but especially in this area, uh, especially in this area. And it, and I think too, it's, you know, how, how does someone, how does someone heal from that? I guess is maybe what people maybe want to know. And, um, you know, St. Um, you know, basically the first thing is like, you've got to, you've got to sit you got to sit in front of the blessed sacrament and you've got to have some quiet time where you actually process in front of Christ. Like what's really going on with me? I mean, cause it's almost like you almost have to like turn it off because we evade, uh, th- we just run away from things and we act like it's not happening or some people just busy themselves with all kinds of stuff. So they don't have to think about it. And I think, so this would be your cough it up moment. <laughs> yeah, where you just, I mean, the, before you go to a priest or for a counselor, and preferably a Catholic counselor, is you need to, you need to sit in front of the Lord and just own up to the fact that I'm, I'm angry, and I'm never really, there's something inside of me that needs to heal. And, and uh, you know, maybe I've said I've forgiven this person or what happened, you know, years ago, but let's be honest, I'm still playing it over my head over and over and it's starting to really mess with my life. Jesus, help me, you know. And that's that's the starting point. And I, I think too, it's like when we cry out for mercy, and we realize like I just don't want to 
live like this anymore. I don't want to think like this anymore. I don't want to be uh, hindered in my prayer life anymore. I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to, you know, uh, these types of things. And, and so I think that's the, the first thing. And then, um, and I think the second thing is you, you kind of, you, you have to articulate to someone like what happened, you know, just say, all right, look, here's this, what, this is what happened. And like, I've noticed, especially it's really beautiful in the deliverance ministry when you get like, you know, oh, you know, like say a woman is in her thirties or forties and she'll say like, I've never said this to anybody, but this happened when I was nine or 10 and they start choking up like what happened? And then it comes out and you can feel, you can feel in the room, like the healing of the Holy spirit just by saying it. And like, you have to be very gentle at these moments. Like you're like, all right, you're, you're in front of Christ. What happened? And it's like, boom, it's out. And there's a great healing that happens with that. Or, you know, men too, like a lot of men too, like they just, they've never verbally articulated things that really hurt them. You know, and sometimes it could be subtle things. It could be, you know, things that were said to them, things that were not not done, you know, a distant father, you know, an alcoholic dad, you know, um, you know, just maybe being bullied as a kid constantly and just starting to believe lies. Um, and I do think like we have, um, I was, what was I, I was talking to Father Fish about this. I'd love to get him on a podcast. Uh, and, um, but we were talking about how, I think it was, it was Father Fish. And we were talking about how like there's, uh, oh, I'm, but it was, I'm sorry, it was Caleb Gang. Caleb Gang spent a couple days with me. He just went home from uh, seminary and uh, he was, he took this class about the different generations of people and how they respond to the gospel. And he said that sort of like, what's the the current generation, like the young people called? I, I don't lost count. Like there's millennials and then there's Gen, lost with Gen Z, Gen Z or just something after that. But let's just take like, you know, current high school and college. Um, their struggle is they never feel like they've been listened to. And they, they're kind of like, I mean, to their credit, like a lot of their parents are never really present to them because their parents are overworked and they're also like overstimulated with, you know, mechanical devices and they're not really listening to their kids. And so the kids feel really isolated. So they go, they go into the virtual world and they really distrust people, you know? And I think we're going to see a lot of spiritual wounds come out of this because of a lack of personal connection with people. And, and I think too, is like, and the pandemic didn't help. Right. And I, I mean, I got to say like that did a number on, on the high school kids and college kids. I mean, they're not the same. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm working both in a high school and a college and I, I mean, like some kids who have a really good family life, um, Hey, they're fine. Uh, the ones that kind of kept in with prayer and, and, but also like had some kind of social life, took advantage of the pandemic in a positive way. Uh, maybe curtailed the, you know, with their kids, the, you know, did things, you know, maybe they, they <laughs> bought kayaks and started going outdoors and just spending the time with their kids and really communicating with them. They actually flourished, but the ones that kind of went deeper into the isolation, you're seeing a lot of anger and resentment with these kids. And, um, but anyway, the point of the matter is he was making the point is that, um, what younger generations need, um, is like just someone who will listen to them. And, um, I, I, you know, 
uh, being a, a, a talker, a perpetual talker, I've learned the hard way. Like sometimes you just have to shut up and just get to know the kids and then they just start talking. And then all of a sudden the healing starts, you know, this, you know, and, um, and I think too, is, you know, a person has to come to a comfort level to talk to someone they trust to say, Hey, look, without judging me, can I talk about this thing that happened to me, you know, uh, years ago? Yeah. What's up? You know? And at, once that happens then the Holy spirit, I think starts clearing the heart a little bit and it doesn't happen overnight. But, um, I have seen in certain cases, almost overnight, um, changes with the unbound. If they really forgive the person, I, I, and I've seen a couple cases. I'm like, I was so shocked about the change in their demeanor and their prayer life and their communications with their family that happened overnight by asking for the grace to forgive someone that they, that hurt them years ago, oh. you know? Um, and, and I, I do think like during Christmas, like this is a, this is a great uh, opportunity maybe to ask for that grace, you know, with our Lord, uh, you know, I mean, we only got eight days, <laughs> but, but just, you know, maybe just start with, um, with the, the simple prayer and saying like, Jesus Christ, you became a human person, took on my weak humanity. You're also true God and true man. I'm asking the grace, like, let me just be a, a decent human person around, around this person, just treat them with love and kindness. And then maybe afterwards, you know, New Year's, I'm going to go talk to someone about my anger and just, and go through the healing process so that this person doesn't drag me down anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. You, 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 uh, I mean, the one, I guess one of the main takeaways to take away from this is you, most likely you're not going to do this by yourself. You're not no, going to do it alone. Not at all. Uh, I mean, we all try, a lot of us try to do it, uh, everything on our own. Uh, right. I can do it, you know, um, but, um, not going to happen or it'll be a lot easier. Well, here's a, here's another, here's another, Hey, uh, here's a, here's a, here's another, another point is, you know, like sometimes, uh, I think there's a, a great healing when a person, uh, doesn't, you know, takes ownership on their anger towards someone, their hatred towards someone and the resentment. You can't change what happened to you, but you can change how you react and how you feel about that person. And you can say, you know what? I gotta be honest. I wish harm upon this person. And, and like that, that happens in the confessional and it's not saying, it's not saying, look, we're not saying like you're at fault for what happened to you, but here's the thing. I think if hatred and anger has got to a point where you are wishing harm and you can't function as a person allow that sentiment of anger to really start to destroy your life, like our Lord can destroy that demon by confessing that, uh, especially in the sacrament of reconciliation. And I think there's further, there's further healing that can happen in the unbound ministry whereby someone says, in the name of Jesus, I forgive you so-and-so for such and such. And the key has, and I always tell people when we're doing the unbound, I know we did, if you, if you're listening to this, um, you know, a lot of the priests do this unbound. I know yeah, you I, can do, we did a whole podcast. Did. On, you you go can back, search it. Yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to it. But the key happens when the person says in the name of Jesus, no, not me in the name of Christ. I renounce, I forgive you so-and-so, and you have to say exactly what happened. It can't be like, for being mean. No, that doesn't count. That's like a bad confession. You have to say, you did X, Y, and Z to me, and it hurts to say this because you hurt me so bad. And when someone does that, it's almost like the air, that that hot air, that it just, it just, you can see the difference in the person. And I really think a lot of this work can be done in front of the Blessed Sacrament. 
like someone could be in adoration and just say, Hey Lord, I really need to forgive this person. In the name of Jesus, I forgive you so-and-so for such and such. Uh, especially if we're talking about some serious violations against someone's dignity or against their uh, personhood or against their, you know, you know, someone, you know, ripped into, into, into you in front of everyone else and just made you feel like a complete idiot, you know, and that, and it just, just really blindsided you. You have to say like it hurt. And part of forgiveness, I believe is recognizing how much it hurt and not repressing it. Right. I think that's, that's a key you know, uh, in, in, uh, you know, the whole forgiveness piece. Okay. All right. Well, good topic today. Uh, yeah. Father, you want to give us a blessing? Sure. Well, that's good. Good to be back here and, uh, I miss the guys. I uh, hope we'll see them shortly. And, uh, I hope everyone has a, a, a really a powerful Christmas. And, and I think to end this podcast, like this Christmas, don't let other people sin, make you sin. Right. And here, here's the thing is just maybe at Christmas, ask for the grace, you know, when you're getting together with people and maybe people that you don't look forward to seeing, just say, you know what? Like, let's make this 24 hours a time of peace. You know? Now, and it could be, you know, here's another thing. It could be that time where you go to a separate room with that person and you and you just say, hey, look, can I just ask, you know, maybe, you know, say, hey, I forgive you, but I want to tell you what I'm forgiving you for. I mean, it could be a huge uh, sort of a moment of grace whereby you tell the person how much you've been hurt. And like for Christmas, I'm going to forgive you. And I, I let you, but also tell them what happened. I'm not saying everyone should do this this on Christmas day, but I think maybe the Holy spirit could give you a great moment where you reconcile. And maybe like next Christmas, you're like, Hey, come on over. I'm totally cool with it. You know? So let's, let's turn to our lady and ask for a powerful intercession as together we pray. Hail Mary full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.